Elke Dens is the marketing director at Visit Flanders and also the chair of the marketing group at the European Travel Commission. Spend even a few minutes with Elke talking about the future of tourism and you will know right away that Elke Dens is without a doubt a marketer's marketer. Her personal philosophy? Focus on the whole P. P as in product, but not in a conventional sense. When Elke talks about product, she is talking about what we as marketers, at least some of us, often refer to as the augmented product, the total experience of the product, and everyone and everything involved in its development and distribution. From a marketing perspective, any product exists in a complex and ongoing process that starts with product design and cycles through testing, feedback, and refinement, and ideally, this is an ongoing and evolving process. Throughout a product's life, its story and value proposition is being continually assessed, refined, and articulated. Not just to serve the end user, but to adapt continuously to a changing world and to address and engage the interests and concerns of multiple publics, often including civic, citizen, financial, regulator, and media publics, to name just a few. Some may call that iterative design. Elke calls it good marketing. According to Elke Dens, to create state-of-the-art experiences, you need to focus on the destination's DNA, those things that make it unique and valuable. And you must work directly with stakeholders and operators to develop high-quality offerings very specifically tailored to certain segments of interest. Elke will tell you that working closely with stakeholders, including both the usual suspects and non-traditional players, is essential. Not just to make great products, but also to create self-sustaining channels for the popularization of the product and for ongoing civic support. Visit Flanders embraced this union of development and marketing so thoroughly that by 2016 it had gone so far as to replumb its org chart to introduce the idea of product managers into the mix for key areas of focus, including cycling, food, and heritage, as well as accessibility. As we move into the recovery phase of the COVID-19 pandemic, there is a lot we can all learn from Elke Dens. Visit Flanders, the European Travel Commission, and the European Cities Marketing Group about sustainable and rational development that empowers a destination and its citizens alike. Stakeholder engagement, community shared values, distributed marketing, and destination development figure prominently in Elke's thinking, and she has been working on all of those since before 2002 when she co-offered Tich Vur Telework, or Time for Telework, a management guide for telecommuting that was a decade ahead of its time. Good evening, Elke. How are you? <laughs> Hi, David. I'm fine. How are you? I'm great, Elke. It's it's really good to see you. Um, I'm I'm at uh, just mid afternoon in tr in Toronto. Uh, can you tell everyone where you are and what it's like? Well, I'm at home now, uh, and it's in uh, in Antwerp, Belgium. Um, we have a heat wave for the moment, and we cannot go outside uh, at night. So it's a quite interesting period. So you actually have a curfew at night. We do. So between 11.30 and 6 a.m., we need to be at home. Very good. And, and that is in response to a second wave of, of COVID-19 uh, in Belgium? It is. And actually, the curfew that we have now, uh, it's the, 
the first time since the Second World War. Wow, wow. Um, I want to talk a little bit today about sustainable development, but I think it's fascinating that you and I come to this from the same the same position. We're both marketers. And in our experience, it's it's led and I, it certainly led me. And I, and I read this in in the in the materials that I, that I perused about you. It's led us to take this holistic view of destinations where the ecosystem includes multiple players outside con what we would consider conventional tourism stakeholders. Um, how do you come to this? You know, I, I saw in in two thousand two, you you co-authored uh, tights. Delaverk, how do you say that? <laughs> yes, it's Flemish. Eh? Uh, yes. You only know two Flemish people. You told me last time eh? it's Frank and I. <laughs> so we will, we will make you one of us. So it's actually time for telework. And it was indeed a research project when I, I was working at university, uh, where we sensed that maybe uh, people would have advantages working at home or closer to home. Back then, the reasoning was that it would be better for transportation and, and the time availability of people, uh, both also for employers. So, so I, I think that's incredibly relevant, especially as we're in COVID lockdown. Telework is obviously taken over, but let's, let's follow that thread from the time in 2002 when you're doing your master's to how you um, develop this entire ecosystem idea of marketing for destinations. Tell me about that journey for yourself. Oh, okay. Well, it, that's a very interesting question. Uh, well, I was I studied communication science, so I got trained as a classical marketeer, I think, eh? uh, where marketing was about um, a lot about promotion, actually. Eh? You, you learned about uh, websites and, and all those tools and channels. Uh, which I know, but actually lost my interest because I, I really wanted to know but what could marketing mean more? Huh? Uh, is it just about consuming and about selling more? Uh, because often marketing is marketing is like a sales department. Huh? When you look at companies, uh, so they make brochures and they, they sell products. Um, and this was quite interesting to me. So I started to read a lot about it. And uh, I learned from the best, like Steve Jobs, for instance. And he said that, um, well, marketing is actually about creating values. Values for the customer. Uh, and if you think about it, uh, an organization is an, um, the duty of an organization is actually to make sure that you create value for your customer. And in that way, you can connect your customers to your organization. So I tried to actually create more value than for the customers. In, in our case, it's tourists, right? Uh, so not just sell the, the product that we have uh, and, and make it beautiful and make beautiful pictures about the product or the, the experience, but really try to dig in deeper and create more value. And, and therefore, and that was in the next step, we started to work on communities. So we started to really engage in communities so that we could learn what value is for them. And very interesting, uh, what we found out then was that a community doesn't really have uh, or need a geographical segmentation. You see that, you know, communities, um, people that are in a certain community, they really look alike no matter where they live. 
and this was quite interesting because the whole tourism industry was based on markets meaning geographical markets and that's something that we flipped around um so we said like wh why should we take into account borders if they don't really matter to people so when you start that in you know, early on in your career to early 2000s it's not a particularly popular position in marketing tourism marketing tourism was very traditional of course there were exceptions there were places that were doing the beginning of great experiential work but it's been a long slow flat curve to get to 2020 to the point where we've all embraced the idea that marketing is is about engaging people it's about um, sharing values with them. It's about empowering them to not just to come, but it's empowering the people who are there to be and share. Um, that's an amazing journey over the last 18 years. Isn't it remarkable under this crisis that all of those things you're working on have been not just amplified, but massively amplified. We we know, and I, I think you and I talked about this a week ago, you know, Jack Johnson's proclamation was that we had to change. We had to change quickly or we had to risk irrelevance because we were not integrated well enough with the social fabric of our communities, that we, that we were adjunct to it as opposed to immersed in it. What do you say to that? Well, I would say uh, it's very much true, and and to be to be honest, it was only the the last two years that really made the difference. I think in 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 my evolution, at least, uh, it's it's when we said that um, maybe tourism is not really an end on its own, but that it's a means to an end. And I just want to make it clear. So maybe our job is not only to 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 get as much tourists to a place and then be successful. You know, a lot of people still count success in that way. Eh? It's the number of arrivals, it's the number of overnights. But maybe tourism is meant to be uh, a mean to make places and communities thrive, or we call it flourish. Eh? Um, yeah. So, so let's talk about that in the context of something that I think ECM has, has really sort of uh, rung home with us and and the, the European Travel Commission as well. I think you're about a decade ahead when it came to the idea of over tourism. We have small pockets in North America, you know, absolute um, marquee attractions that see over tourism. For the most part, we don't experience it the same way as European cities. Um, and the lessons that you've been working on for three years in over tourism are super applicable when we look at sustainable development, because at the core of over tourism is that concept that it's unsustainable. That's the problem with it. It's not that it doesn't make cash registers ring. It's not that people don't get to, you know, um, herd through the Sagrada de Familia in Barcelona. It's that in the end, it's not sustainable. The asset will wear out, the people will wear out, the charm will wear off. You, you've been working on that for almost a decade in Europe. Where did over tourism first sort of it rear its head as as something um, uh, that was that was sort of universally accepted as something you had to deal with versus the the one off problems that 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 Amsterdam or Venice would talk about? Well, that's a, that's a good question because I cannot really say the date when it happened. Eh? And at the beginning, it was indeed only a problem of some cities. Venice, Barcelona, Amsterdam, and it could be maybe bad 
a bad way of dealing with tourism. Eh? Maybe they attracted too many cruise ships eh? because this was just maybe a local problem. But then you see that people do learn from each other. And I think that's why podcasts like these are very, very um, valuable because we can learn so much from each other. What happens now in a certain place might happen indeed a few, few years later in another place. So, and this is what happened in Europe. So we, we really try to see that it was not only these big cities, it could also be a very small place. If it has too many people, it will ruin uh, natural resources. Eh? Think about small islands, for instance. And also, and that's what is Europe is about, it's a lot of cultural heritage buildings. Eh? The cities are also very small. So if you see that too many people are ruining actually places and buildings that we need to keep in preservation, then we are doing the opposite of what tourism was meant to be. <laughs> tourism was meant to be resources to keep those buildings clean and, and to support the restoration of these buildings. And this, is, this happened somehow, I think, two years ago, maybe. Elke, in addressing over tourism, one of the things you underlined earlier was this concept of values. And you spend a lot of time now in, in marketing Flanders in considering the values of, of the visitor and the values of the, of the tourism experience and aligning those things to avoid things like overcrowding, et cetera. Talk to me about values-based marketing. And, and if you want, you can use your famous example of what you call mammals. Um, middle-aged men in lycra, as you put it. <laughs> yes, uh, yes, that's my favorite example because people always know what I mean when I talk about the mammals. Everybody knows a mammal, and so uh, maybe you're a mammal too, David. Um, so, <laughs> so I tell you a bit more about David. Huh? He is okay. a middle-aged okay. man. I would, I would love, to, I would love to be middle-aged again. That's all I have to say to that. But keep going. <laughs> Today, you're middle-aged uh, and, and you're a male and you wear lycra. Uh, you have shaved legs and sometimes, <laughs> and I, I cannot say that because I don't see it, but sometimes you also have uh, a belly, a beer belly, right? <laughs> no, so uh, this is just what we call personas. Eh? So it's to better understand each other when we need to work. Uh, on this specific community, but okay. again, since, hang on, since you set me up as being middle-aged with a beer belly who shaves my legs, could you please tell the people you're talking about cyclists, please? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's very sportive, you know, it's really about sportsmen that, that, that cycle every, every day and they are very competitive for their age. Huh? <laughs> Is Thank <this> you. Better? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. So uh, it's about a community, right? It's about uh, cyclists that like to hang out with each other. Uh, and for them, a holiday, when they go on a trip to Flanders to cycle, this is not just a holiday um, that will uh, give them pleasure. Uh, it's not just a leisure holiday. It's really something that they live up to, like for six months before the trip, they start exercising, they do home training at their home. Uh, they, they they plan the trip with all the, the friends. Eh? Usually it's it's a group of male people and, and sometimes the women can join. Uh, therefore, we need to then arrange uh, other um, uh, exciting experiences. Uh, but usually they, they like to be in a group. 
And so also there you need to make sure that they can do what they love to do the most. So it means indeed after the, the cycling race that they've done, you provide uh, a Belgian beer because that's when they can discuss, you know, the whole uh, thing that they did, uh, everything about the race, but also the race on itself, it's very important. And when you talk about product and product enhancement, uh, this is where we really have been working very hard together with Strava, which you will probably know, David. Uh, so it's the, the, the machine that you wear that will give you a, a full overview of your exercise. So we make competitions. So with, together with Strava, you can see how well you performed uh, on the same path that uh, another uh, one of your famous uh, cyclists did and how he performed. So you can, you know, you, we enhance the competitiveness there. Uh, when you're really good, you might even get your name craved in a cobblestone. Uh, which is a monument and is also for you or the cyclists that come. It's a kind of a legacy that they leave here. Huh? So the, the race is like, a, it's much more than just a race. Huh? It's, it's, a, it's an experience. And we, we, we even call it transformative experience because what you sometimes see is that when people really live up to it and, and sometimes they have been training so hard just to be on top of the, of, of the mountain, let's say, it's it's little burke actually, but but it's it's tough. It, it's it's you know the cobblestones that make it really hard to ride it. That's why we also call it the suffer zone in Flanders. Eh? We don't say mm. come come here. We have a great product. No, we say come to our suffer zone. If you want to call yourself a real cyclist, you must have ridden once uh, our cobbles and our burks. So also to 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 give our gratitude to the people that do it, we uh, try to give a, somehow a, a souvenir. Um, when you look that, at the typical accommodation, we also provide hotels that have a large living room so that people, the cyclists, also in the evening can hang out together, share the stories, share the experiences, and maybe also make future plans. Because often the community then goes to another cycling destination, which is great. So, so, so let's talk about that. I mean... Tour of Flanders is a is a famous cycling event for I'm I'm guessing it's almost more than a hundred years, isn't it? Yeah, one hundred and three. One hundred and three years. Um, in the nineteen sixties and seventies and eighties, individuals would have figured out in a world where we could travel and take our bikes, we can go and we can ride the Tour de France, and but we could ride the Tour de Flanders. But you started to work specifically with stakeholders who exist in that ecosystem. You started to work specifically with cyclists to develop this this program. And and uh, you know we are speaking about a very narrow vertical niche. But you're right. The 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 values of the of the person coming must align up tremendously with the with the proud Flanders cyclist who wants to who wants to share that experience with them. Um, when did you start working on that program? Well, that must have been 2012 because, uh, yeah, I think it's 2012 we started working on it. And uh, we have done it every year and improved it every year. So it's really, it's not a short-term strategy. It's really, when you talk about DNA, this is part of our lives. So we also call ourselves, the cyclists here in, in Belgium, we call them Flandriens. Eh? So those are the people that, you know, they really suffer and work very hard to be the best. Eh? Uh, so it's a concept, it, it's a known thing. And indeed, we, we started listening to the community and we still do. Uh, and now together we have attracted the World Championship Cycling to Flanders uh, next year. 
So this is the moment supreme, you know, it's it's the best uh, yes. of it. And we have been working, I think, almost 10 years then on, on this on this cycling community. So it's interesting. You you hit on the concept of DNA, and then I want to I want to go there for a minute. Um, both you and Frank Kuipers, our, our our friend, another Belgium who's who's worked in Canada with Destination Think, talk about the DNA of a destination. And what's always surprising to me about DNA is there's two things. One, sometimes it's so hard to identify the obvious. You know, the idea that cycling would be part of Flanders' DNA now is just obvious. 15 years ago, people were saying, why, why do we want a bunch of guys on bicycles here, right? Um, and similarly, sometimes DNA creates this, this um, um, false image of exclusion. So when we work with a tourism destination that has three you know, succinct pieces of DNA, and I can think of a, a little heritage town in Ontario, Canada, that sits on the edge of a beautiful uh, steep gorge with completely intact limestone architecture. It is unique across the country. Um, but when you zero in in that DNA, there's an immediate response sometimes from other stakeholders who say, but I'm the restaurant, I'm the DNA, and I'm the hotel, I'm the DNA. And you say, no, no, the DNA is the beach. You're the people who service the people who go to the beach. It's not, it's not, a, it's not a proposition that leaves you out in the cold. It's just leading with DNA differentiates you from the place that's the forest or the place that's the shopping center. If you're the beach, be the beach. If you're Flanders, be Flanders, right? So what are the other DNA pieces that you really zero in in, in Flanders? Well, I think um, it's not so much the, the, the products or the beach. Um, I don't believe that the beach is DNA. You know, we have so many destinations with a beach, so how could it possibly be the DNA? Eh? But it, it, could, it can be DNA if it's an exceptional beach. So it's one well, of those. Exactly. Yes. And what makes it exceptional, that is often, uh, David, the, the story behind it. So, uh, and that, that makes, I think, the DNA, if you, if you think about what is culture, what is tradition, it's actually uh, all those stories that are, you know, given from one generation to another generation. And this is, I think, the, the, uh, the obligation of, of tourism is to make sure that these, these traditions and stories are being told also to future generations. So it's something that we need to safeguard. And so maybe we don't even need the word DNA. Maybe we need to really dig into the culture and tradition of a place to understand. And, 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 and then you will see, you know, because when you talk about shared values, you will see that then people immediately respond to it because they feel the, they feel the connection. They feel, oh yes, this is us, you know. In the end, it's all about people people that connect to a certain story, and you will find people uh, everywhere in the world that have a, a, a curiosity for this story or a, a genuine interest in this story and also want to share it. So that's, now you've taken me full circle and, I, and the penny drops and I get it. As marketers, we're obsessed with the narrative. We, we love the narrative. We, we love telling the story. We love watching people hear the story and adjusting the story. And when you go back to the genuine core of a destination and you tell its history and stories, then all of a sudden I understand why as marketers were drawn to this entire idea of destination development that involves multiple players telling their stories in their own voices to other people who want to hear those stories unmediated. Then it, makes, then it makes sense to me, a lot of sense to me. Well, great. Right. 
Thank you. So let's let's do a little bit of, of hard work here. Let's talk about um, the COVID-19 recovery that we're all in. And let's talk about some key things that we need to remember. You and I um, wrote back-to-back -back pieces for ECM on marketing, and we had similar admonitions in there. Be careful. Don't spend all your money buying media. Work with destinations. Work with local stakeholders. Increase capacity. Increase storytelling. What do you want to add to that list? As we're, as we're, as we're, you know, the the people listening here are all in the same boat as us. We're all running and managing destinations, events, or attractions in this time. Where should we focus our efforts? Well, uh, for me, uh, I would definitely say focus your efforts on trying to get uh, all the people and businesses uh, in your community on a new vision. It might sound really, um, how do you say, naive or maybe not realistic because everyone is in an economic crisis. But 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 really, um, I think all this this turbulence, the, the biggest danger of being in a turbulence is not the turbulence itself. You know, we we will we will deal with it. Uh, we have always dealt with it in the past too. But but the real danger is that you use yesterday's logic. That makes perfect sense. Yeah, so that's what I would really say, like try to really engage people and together with them work on, on this, this this new way. And it's just a simple question, eh? uh, where do you want to be in the future? What do you want tourism to bring to your community? Eh? When, do, when do we make the community flourish? Okay, we will need tourists to make it flourish, that's for sure. But how many do we need? Do we need still to aim for that many or maybe we need a specific kind of tourist that that would eh, uh, really make our community better eh? and i'm not talking about the rich one eh, because that would be really too simplistic uh too simplistic. again it's about that one that shares the values that you as a destination think are important so that was that was um, Emmanuel Legault two weeks ago talked to me and she said if I asked her personally what she she thought about traveling and where she wanted to go she jumped in right away and said I think it's very important in the future that we as travelers not just destinations but we as travelers begin to think about traveling with a more clear purpose and that we do it intentionally and that we we share those values and and I think back to my own experiences you know the ones that are the most compelling and immersive are the ones where where my values and the destination values overlap then you just you stand in awe of the fact and at that moment the world gets a lot smaller and more comprehensive at the same time and much more easy you know you you now you have multiple destinations to choose from and then you just know where to go because it suits you and it doesn't it actually makes much sense because people like to buy ideas that that are the same as as eh, like again the apple thing you buy it because you like the idea behind it i think we need to look also destination marketing also can act like this so where you go to also has a kind of idea that you would like to be part of right it's not just a destination where you go on holiday it can be so much more and then you can get into this deeper connection with the place that you go to and you will see that you at the end you will probably spend more because your interest is so much higher and you want to see so much more and also may maybe stay so much longer so i think it, it's an easy thing so, so as we as we close this out then let's touch on that point because the some of the most compelling marketing in the world 
um, is in a sense a, a found property for us marketers. It's that piece that's genuine where the traveler or the purveyor has told their story. Uh, and I'm, I'm particularly interested in post post-travel marketing now. Um, as a, Everybody who knows me knows I'm an avid mountain biker. There's no question that mountain biking at an international level is hugely influenced by stories and visuals, um, but stories and visuals by mountain bikers for mountain bikers in their language. You're taking great advantage of that in Flanders. You're using locals to tell stories, aren't you? Yes, and also visitors, because you're absolutely right, I think. Uh, while, you know, again, 2002, when I started as a marketeer, it was about making uh, brochures and beautiful pictures and posting the Instagrammable things. While, while now, it's not my job because the community does it by, by itself. Eh? Sometimes we need to create a platform like we did for Flanders Fields, for instance. Eh? So we, we brought people together on one Facebook page and shared the stories there and enhanced the engagement. But usually those platforms already exist because the community has found each other already. And then as a destination marketeer, you just you just use that because it's all there. And, and you know what? It's the best market research too, because they will tell you what they like and what they don't like. So you do not yes. need to do again some other surveys or something like that. Well, and and they speak the language of the segment, which which often we don't. They they have their own nomenclature, that's for sure. Um, it's it's a real pleasure having you here. I'm going to give you one last chance to share anything you want with all our peers who are trust me, they're listening intently to you, Alki Dens. No pressure here. Anything else you want to share? Oh, now you put some pressure on me. Really. Oh, there it is. There it is. <laughs> well, um, well, well, I don't know. Maybe. Just going back to to what is our job as marketeers, I think a lot of a lot of things are are said about purpose marketing nowadays. And um, I just read something very interesting uh, because when now we we try to search for purpose, but but actually, when when people start to to, to start a business, they usually have a purpose, and that purpose usually is not money. They really want to do something and then start a business. And maybe it's the same for Simple View. I don't know, but probably you, you've had this purpose when you started. So uh, I hope the same for tourism. Eh? And I hope that, that the purpose is not only to bring more tourists and, and more money in the communities. I hope it can be so much more and, and that the purpose could be, um, yeah, creating the conditions that to make all those places in the world uh, thrive and flourish. Well, I, I really appreciate that. And I will underline it. I've, I've been reading of late about transformational purpose in business and totally echo what you said. And uh, I know there are many organizations, Simple View is one of them, that they're businesses. They're here to to do business, but they're also here with a with a core um, ethos to change the world and make it better. And I think if we all remember, you know, where our, as they call the massive transformational purpose uh, lies, then we'll, we'll do better by each other and by our destinations and our visitors. So I thank you for that. I thank you for the interview. It's a real pleasure. I, I've been waiting a long time for this. So thanks. <laughs> okay. You're welcome.